my family has this tradition for the Thanksgiving meal when we gather just a couple hours later where each of us begrudgingly, at times I'll admit, had to write a list of things we were thankful for. I don't know if you guys have ever done these. Sometimes it's five, sometimes it's ten things. But something interesting happened after just having sat in the kitchen with so much disenchantedness that as we went around the table and as each person shared this list of what they were thankful for, these stories started to come up from this last year of these uh, really good tidings, these good news that uh, had happened. For some of us, there was a new job, like myself, that had come upon us. For some of us, there were some relationships that we had worried were going to break or fall apart that had been restored. For others of us, it just simply was, we're thankful for our good health. For some of us, it was even, we're thankful for our pets' good health, right? It really didn't matter. But especially as we listened closely to the stories, there was this growing sense towards the end, in a couple stories in particular, that it was really God who had moved almost undeniably in unexpected ways, and that this was the reason for the good news that was being shared. And as this good news happened around the table, even though just a few hours ago we'd been so disenchanted, there was this sense as good news was shared that maybe we do have some hope after all. Maybe there is some deliverance waiting for us, even in the midst of all this darkness. For this reason, I'm really excited to dive into our text this morning, Exodus 18. We're going to turn there in just a moment. But before we do, I, I wonder as you come in this morning after your own Thanksgiving experience, whether it was good or bad, uh, if you yourself haven't been longing for good news. If there isn't this sense within you that you've been searching. I, I think for some of us, I was this way. I came to the city to go to school for my undergrad at Moody Bible Institute looking for good news. I was hoping that maybe if I got this degree in the right place, if I set up these relationships in the right way, then maybe things would come together for me. I wonder for you, uh, maybe it's a job right now that you're really hoping good news will pan out. Maybe it's a relationship, uh, a hoped-for relationship in the future, a, a child you're waiting to enter into the world. Maybe it's, it really is uh, something social or cultural, like if you just find the right brunch place, then good news will come, right? But uh, wherever you're at, this morning we're going to encounter a man who himself went on a journey looking for good news. So turn with me to Exodus 18, verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So we meet this man, Jethro, who hears rumors of what God has been doing. And we find two interesting tidbits about Jethro's character that are going to be, become important for this story. The first is that he is a priest of Midian, the priest of Midian. So what that tells us is that Jethro is not an Israelite. He has not received the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and in fact, as a priest, he's probably led worship to many other gods. There were Canaanite gods that the Midianites would tend to worship. There were Egyptian gods. But pretty much whatever worked, you'd kind of throw into the melting pot, and Jethro would lead worship as a priest to whatever god made sense. But we also find, secondly, that Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. You might remember back in Exodus 4 when we first meet Jethro. And as a father-in-law, that means Jethro is family, right? Jethro's family to Moses. In fact, uh, 
Moses, as was custom at the time, probably when he married Jethro's daughter, would have moved into Jethro's house. When, Jethro was wor- or when Moses was working as a shepherd, Moses was probably working for Jethro, who probably had a pretty large business estate that he would oversee. In fact, I'd be willing to guess that Moses and Jethro, like, much like my family, probably had many conversations where they would sit around the fire, they'd sit around a table, and they would discuss uh, the general state of affairs. What's going on with the sheep, right? What are the policies like in Egypt, which Moses would have been really familiar with? Or maybe even, Jethro, what do you believe about God or the gods? Which gods do you worship? Moses, tell me more about this God, this God that your people claim was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I think as Jethro hears these rumors of what's been going on with the Israelites, what has happened in Egypt, Jethro wants to know more of what's going on. He's curious. This is his son-in-law. This is his family. And he wants to figure out, he wants to investigate what has actually happened here. So turn with me to verse 5. Just jump down a little bit. We hear that uh, Moses' wife, Zipporah, and Moses' two sons are with Jethro at this point. So Jethro brings them along. It's a family gathering. And in verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with Moses' sons and his wife, Moses' wife, to Moses in the wilderness where he, Moses, was encamped at the mountain of God. Let's keep reading. And when he sent word to Moses, this is what Jethro said, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Now, I don't know about you, but if my father-in-law reached out and said he had come with my family to hear what was going on, I'd be a little nervous. But Moses comes out to meet Jethro, and this intimate exchange happens. Moses bows down, shows a huge sign of respect to Jethro. He kisses him probably on the cheek. And then it says, they asked each other of their welfare. Again, I like to think that it was as simple as, Jethro, how was the drive? You know, how was, how was the ride getting in? Jethro asking Moses, Moses, how's your, how's your health doing? How are you feeling right now? How's your stress? So as they, as they meet, this intimate family gathering has occurred, and Moses is going to share with Jethro what has been happening. He's going to share with Jethro this good news of what God has been up to. So look with me at verse 8. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Now, if you are here this morning and you yourself have been on this journey looking for good news, searching for good news. I wouldn't be surprised if you're uh, a little cynical or a little burned out if the good news you've heard has often been light, airy, or fluffy. Maybe you've heard these, the the kind of trite responses of, well, everything's going to work out. You know, it's all going to be okay. Or maybe even if you get a little Christianese thrown in, there's a, hey, God's going to take care of it. Don't worry. Just, you know, don't worry. Just just move on. You're going to be all right. What I love about verse 8, if you look closely, right there in the middle, as Moses is sharing good news with Jethro, he intentionally takes time to walk Jethro through all the hardships that he had experienced along the way. All the hardships. I wonder what Moses would have told Jethro, right? I wonder what the stories would have been. 
if it was perhaps late nights that Moses stayed up, knowing he had a meeting with Pharaoh tomorrow. And even though God had said he was going to be there, Moses as a human being was just a little bit nervous about what was going to happen that next day. Or maybe it was the moment that Moses was standing with his back against the Red Sea, and he had been told by God he was going to prepare a way, but he heard those who's coming of Pharaoh's army. He heard the children crying, panicking, and Moses has this moment where he's like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen right now, but I have to trust that God's going to do something. Yet, for all the hardships that Moses shares, he also tells each story about how God had delivered. Again, I just can't help but think, as Moses was standing there in the tent with Jethro, if there hadn't been a, a tangible sense that Moses could have pointed out. Do you see this rod here, the staff? This is the staff I raised that God used. Do you see these sandals? These are the sandals I was wearing when we walked across dry ground. Moses shares the story of all the hardships and the deliverance. If you were to sit with me and we were to have a chance for me to really walk you through the last few years of my life, there is some incredible deliverances that have happened, even for me to just show up here this morning and be doing this residency. God has just truly showed up in these unexpected ways, unexpected places where I can look back and say, man, if God hadn't been a part of that, there's no way that should have happened. Yet, if you had time, and we really were able to get into it, there also were a lot of seasons, honestly, of hardship and darkness that took place to get here. I think especially of the year and a half window after I graduated from Moody, where I was looking for a job, and I couldn't find a job, and I was looking for a job, and the next thing I knew, I was where most millennials end up, at Starbucks working, and I was doing the early opening shift, and I was waking up at 3.30 a.m., and I was walking in the dark down on the Gold Coast neighborhood near Moody, walking to my early morning shift where I was preparing myself to change trash bags and to clean toilets. There is nothing wrong with cleaning, with cleaning toilets or changing trash bags, but as I walked in the dark, there was this heaviness, this disappointment, this sense that Something had gone wrong. Maybe the problem was with me. Maybe it was God's fault. Maybe it was one of my friends. And yet as I walked every morning in the midst of all this heaviness and hardship, the only thing I really had, the only thing I knew was just to hold on to the Lord's Prayer. It was like the only words I could grasp or hold on to. So I'd be walking in the dark just every morning before my shift saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name doesn't feel very hollowed right now, but I know it is, God. Uh, give me this day my daily bread, even if it's through Starbucks, God. Give me my, this day my daily bread and deliver me from evil. There's a sense where when the good news is shared with hardships, the deliverance becomes that much more profound, doesn't it? That In fact, good news couldn't be good if there wasn't hardship there that we had to sit in. If there wasn't the pain and the difficulty and the doubting and the questions. And so if you're sitting this morning in a place of hardship, I want to encourage you that the good news is precisely for you, the good news that God can and will deliver. Let's, let's go ahead and look at how Jethro responds. If you look with me back, verse 9 through 11. Moses shares all that God had done, the hardships and the deliverance, and Jethro rejoiced for all the good the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out 
of the hand of the Egyptians. Out. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. As Jethro rejoices, uh, you just can't help but see why, right? That he rejoices because God, through his son-in-law, had actually shown up and saved an oppressed and enslaved people. He rejoices because in seeing the Israelites who were once enslaved and now free, Jethro couldn't help but wonder if this same God might be able to show up for him as well. He rejoices because all his life Jethro had been worshiping other gods, and yet standing in the presence of such good news, he knows he has finally met the Lord, who far exceeds any of those small dreams that the smaller gods might have offered him. In the grand scheme of the book of Exodus, we find on Jethro's lips, in this story, in this moment, this pivotal moment in Exodus, we find Jethro praising and worshiping God in a way that the Pharaoh of Egypt, who saw all the signs and wonders, did not. And we find that Jethro, as a Midianite, praising the God of Israel, was probably going to take this good news he had heard back with him to his people, back with him to his nations, all the way out into the lands beyond. This is the great moment in the Exodus story where we see the hope of Israel's deliverance was never just for Israel, but it was always to go out into the world for all the other peoples they were going to encounter. And Jethro was just the start. So, so what do you and I do with such a strange and interesting story? A Jethro encounter of good news a Moses encounter of sharing good news. Well, I think for some of us here, as we've been desperately searching, looking for good news, the reality is you need to hear some, right? That you need to be reminded that in the midst of the hardships, wherever it is that you're at this morning, in the midst of the hardship, God can and does deliver. Now, for some of you, if you're looking for good news, if this good news is what you're longing for, your biological family, if we're being honest, may not be the place that you want to turn. Uh, for some of you, it might. But for some of you, your biological family is the farthest thing from good news for you at this point in time. And so if that's you, I am privileged to stand here before you and tell you that here in this room, in this body, there is actually a family available to you in Christ of spiritual brothers and sisters. Even if you look around right now, and I I want to give you a chance to do it. I'm going to make it awkward until you do. Go ahead and just look around, left and right. Here in this room, you have spiritual brothers and sisters who have experienced the very same God, who have encountered the very same God that Moses encountered when he saw the Red Seas part, when he saw the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. There are brothers and sisters here in this room who have remarkable stories of hardship in which God has delivered them. And my encouragement to you, especially if you're sitting in a hard place yourself right now, is to ask these fellow brothers and sisters around you so that you can hear the stories of good news that they have to share. I wonder if it's a living room or if it's a coffee table or if it's a friend here who's sitting next to you right now who at some point this week you might just turn to and say, hey, could you just tell me a story of sometime God showed up in the midst of hardship and delivered you? Like, what does that make you think of? What story would come up? Or maybe if you really wanted to be bold and specific, you could say, 
hey, I'm kind of struggling right now in the hardship of my job, in the hardship of my celibacy, in the hardship of my faith, and I'm just wondering if you have any good news that you'd be willing to share. I wonder what stories you'd hear if you'd ask the people, the brothers and sisters, the family in this very room so that you could hear their good news. But uh, if that's you and if you're in need of this Jethro encounter, that also means that the rest of us here in this room are in need of Moses encounters, encounters where we share the stories that we actually have. I wonder as I've been talking about good news and trying to make it really concrete and specific in our hardships where God has delivered us, I wonder what story comes to your mind. I wonder if you yourself might have an Exodus-sized story where miraculously, against all odds, God has healed someone you know, you've seen healing, or God has freed an addiction or a mental health problem that you have been wrestling with, or God has just showed up in your job and your relationships and your work in ways that you could not explain any other way than that God himself was there to deliver you. I wonder who you should share that story with. wonder who there is in your life right now, even a family member in this room who might need to hear that story from your lips about how God has delivered you. And yet, for the rest of us, if it's a smaller size story, I think these are just as profound and perhaps even more powerful. The moments when you're getting ready to walk into a annual review or an interview, and you pray for God's comfort, and he hears you, and he moves, and he delivers. Or even as you lay in bed at night, and you're having that tough night falling asleep, and you just pray, God, is there any way you could give me peace? And God hears you, and he responds, and he delivers. These stories of good news are just as desperately needed, if not perhaps more so, to be shared as they happen with the family that is around you. And as you share with this family, I wonder how the nations might also hear. The nations in your apartment building, the nations in your Uber driver, the nations in your workplaces. Before we close, though, I'd love to look at the final verse in our passage, verse 12. where something remarkable happens that uh, being in an Anglican church, we just have to talk about. Sorry. And that is that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, the God of Israel. And Aaron came with all the elders to eat bread with Moses, with Moses' father-in-law, before God. Now, most commentators, when they read this verse, will tell you, as you've been reading Exodus, as you've been walking through Exodus, the last meal that occurred in the story of Exodus was the Passover, where in hardship, in great suffering, even in blood and death of a firstborn son, God was bringing good news of deliverance. And so here in chapter 18, we find another meal taking place, this time with the Midianite Jethro gathering with all of Israel before God, having just heard good news of how in hardship God had delivered. Now, you can probably guess where I'm going with this, that in the early church, they just couldn't help get excited as they read this chapter of Exodus to say this story was pointing to, was anticipating, was uh, culminating in another story of good news where Jesus would be gathered around a table with his friends and he would talk about the hardship that was coming. He would take bread, and he would break it, and he'd say, here in the brokenness of my body, I'm going to be delivering you in the forgiveness of your sins. 
And here in the shedding of my blood, in this cup, this wine, you're going to be tasting the salvation that I have longed to bring you. I wonder wherever you are this morning, if you're in need of a Jethro encounter to hear the good news, I wonder what God wants to tell you as you come to his table this morning. I wonder how God wants to meet you. I wonder how God wants to feed you and wants to remind you that in the brokenness, in the death of his only begotten son, that God longs to deliver you. And for those of you here who might be in need of a Moses encounter, a sharing of this good news, I wonder how this table could fill you up so that you could take the good news proclaimed here out to your family and to the nations. I pray that at the table this morning, we would encounter God in our disenchanted age. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.